we're talking about the armor of God. I uh, want to encourage you, the first two weeks we talked about spiritual warfare. You know that the word says that there's a time for peace and there's a time for war. Uh, I believe that, you know, we have this kind of idea where, you know, Jesus was so sweet and, you know, he was just so kind and he carried a sheep everywhere he went, panting pro V hair, like we should all just be kind. And But there's times where, like the scripture's teaching us, we, we got to know when it's time to stand. We got to know when it's time to push back and stand up. Are you with me? And so this series isn't all about that, but it does teach us that, you know, it's important for us to understand uh, that we, we, we're in warfare. So the first two weeks, spiritual warfare. Last week, we talked about the belt of truth, putting, putting on that belt of truth. I, um, we live in this culture where uh, their truth, live your own truth. They say that the, the Gen Z believes that something can be true for you, but then not true for me. You can just live your own truth, man. Just live your own truth. Do you. You know, just, you know, I bless you on your journey, man. Whatever's your thing. We just, we got this, just do your own thing. And I wrote it down like this. The you do you culture is toxic for Christians. We are not called to do what makes us happy. We are called to do what glorifies God. And so we have to, and I believe that there is such a thing as an absolute truth. And we even see in the hour that we're living in, even churches are compromising God's truths to fill seats and to make people feel better. And we are called to be a people of truth. And so that's why Paul, when he gives us this teaching, he mentions truth first because we need truth. And, um, and so truth is really critical. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 is where we find this. I've read this to you every week. We're going to read it through the entire series. Hopefully you got it highlighted, maybe even memorized But this is Paul writing, and he says in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers in this dark world, and against spiritual forces in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Uh, People have asked me, what is the day of evil? The day is when evil is showing up in your life. Anything that doesn't line up with God means the enemy has sent it. The the day of evil is not something that's coming later. We got to be aware of the day of evil that's trying to present itself to you today. So be prepared for when that day of evil comes. So it says this, stand firm with the belt of truth around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith for which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The scripture teaches us that you got to put on all the pieces You may say, well, I'm a little bit more into like the gospel of peace. I'm a little bit more into this. It's saying for us to do this right and live the way that God's called us to, you've got to know how to put on every piece. And so each week we're going to look at these truths of these pieces. Paul would have been in jail when he wrote this, uh, possibly from his jail cell, maybe even looking out unto a Roman soldier who would have been wearing all of these pieces that he's describing. Maybe as he's getting revelation from God, he's, he's writing what he's seeing. He's taking a look at it. I told you last week that what we would have known about the armor is that the armor weighed somewhere between 70 and 80 pounds. And a Roman soldier would have carried this maybe 12 to 15 hours a day, depending on their assignment. And so putting on the armor of God was, was not just this little cute kind of fashion statement. It was a responsibility, and it was something that was carried with great purpose. Putting all this on and walking purposefully in this armor is something that would have been taken serious. Uh, they say this, 
uh, that most of the weight, the 70 to 80 pounds, most of the weight that they would have had to carry would have came from this, this breastplate. Now, this breastplate that they would have put on, not only does it cover the front, but it covers the back and it even goes up the neck because it covers some of the most vital and important organs, lungs, hearts. Uh, you have, of course, arteries that run in your neck. If they were to be hit there and there wasn't protection, it would be it would be HBO, just spewing, you know, it would be this whole thing. And so they're saying, you got to put this on. It's really critical. Uh, and so the scripture uh, is telling us, one of the uh, commentaries of people talking about the breastplate of righteousness, they say righteousness, when we're thinking about putting on righteousness, righteousness could be one of the hardest things to carry for us in the real world, uh, facing all the things that we're facing, you know, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation. But for us to put on righteousness, to be the people who say, I'm going to walk in righteousness. I'm going to walk in right standing with God. I'm going to make sure I'm stewarding my life in a way that I'm making the right choices. That's hard to carry in our culture. When we live in a world that's like, nah, man, you do you and whatever works for you and you can do this and there's no truth. So the weight of carrying this lifestyle of righteousness can be a heavy one. How many can agree? But it's the same thing for them. It was heavy. Uh, It's the most protective piece of equipment of all the armor. It protected the most, and I would say it's gonna, you're going to learn after today that us putting on righteousness is the most protective thing we can put on with our walk with God. I, uh, last week when I talked about the belt of truth, I was like, oh man, I want to give an example of the belt of truth. The belt of truth is a lot like a weightlifting belt. The reason a weightlifting belt is so important is because it anchors your core. You know that you're about to carry a heavy load, and so you put this weightlifting belt on, and it anchors, it stabilizes your core. If your core is unstable, you're unstable. It's the same thing in our walk with God. If we don't have truth stabilizing us, we become unstable. And so I was like, man, we got a lot of weightlifting strong people here. We got a lot of people who come to CrossFit. Eli's here. He runs the CrossFit gym in Holland. I'm like, this will be easy for me to get a weightlifting belt because I don't have one. And, uh, and so I was like, who, who should I call to get a weightlifting belt? And so I called our children's director, Vanessa, and asked to borrow her because she's into games and weightlifting and swall. And so we got hers. And then today, today I was like, man, you know, I really want to give an example of what it is to armor up, to put on like an armored vest. And so I, who can I think of that would have like defense and would be able to have a bulletproof vest? Because really that's what the breastplate of righteousness is. It's like a really, so I was like, who can I call in the church? And so then I, I called Vanessa and I was like, hey, <laughs> I need your bulletproof vest. I need them to see about this. But this would have been kind of our modern day equivalent of the defense, what this does. And this is really heavy. As you can see, I'm struggling. And what happens here is it guards the vital. You guys shouldn't laugh that much. I actually got this from Scott Brooker. It weighs like 700 pounds, you said, right? Yeah, 700. Okay. So that's why it looks like a little bit of a struggle. He was saying 700, I think, is what he said. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, it's the equivalent of a bulletproof vest. What, what does a bulletproof vest do? It's say, hey, I need to protect these places that if I, if I get hit things are going to go bad really quickly. And that's what we need to understand about righteousness. If, if we aren't guarded, if we aren't protected, if we aren't putting on righteousness and the standard that God called us to walk in, things could go bad for us really quick. If we continue to walk in unrighteousness and the ways of the world, things fall apart pretty quickly. Doesn't matter if the soldier was really fast. Doesn't matter if the soldier was really smart. It didn't matter if he was really strong. If he got hit in the place where the breastplate wouldn't be, 
things go bad really quick. You say, well, you know, I, I know that I haven't really made choices for righteousness. I haven't really paid much attention to the way that God called me to live. But, you know, I'm smart and I'm sharp and I always land on my feet. If you get hit in those places and you aren't secured in righteousness, you will be taken out. No, I'm strong. I'm no, no, no. You don't understand. If you get hit in those places, it's going to get you. And so that's why God has given us this picture of righteousness protects you in the front, protects you in the back. You can't always see what's coming. Uh, my son, Charlie, he's six years old, and uh, we bought airsoft guns. And uh, when he, last year when he wasn't old, uh, big enough, to like he, he didn't have the strength to load the gun, to cock the gun. If you don't know about an airsoft gun, it's the plastic BBs, and you pull like a spring, and it loads it. And, of course, the rule is hey, don't ever leave any of the ammo in the guns because you never know who might get it and who might get shot. Well, because Charlie couldn't get them loaded, as the smart dad that I am, I was like, I don't need to take the bullets out of this thing. He can't even get it loaded. And so it was later, it was a few months later, and I'm uh, rearranging where the guns are, and he's with me, and so we're kind of getting a bunch of them out. He's standing behind me. I'm like, here's another one, bud. Here's... And at this time, I'm thinking, no big deal. He can't even get them loaded. And so all of a sudden, he gets it, and all of a sudden, bam, he shoots me right in the back. Like, just right in the back. And, and, and at first, I was like, oh, my gosh. And then, then he was like, oh, my gosh, because dad told him we don't keep bullets in the gun. And then there was a bullet in the gun. And, he, and, and so it just made me realize, like, thank God for right, the breastplate of righteousness. Thank God it has our back. Are you with me? Thank God that even the times when we don't know what's going on behind us, righteousness covers and it protects. Can I get an amen? The best form of protection in your life and in your walk with God is righteousness. It's right standing. It's doing things the way that God has called you to. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Uh, you could say it like this, As your heart goes, everything follows. The scripture is saying the reason you need to have righteousness, the reason you need to be protected in righteousness is because it guards your heart. And God knows that if your heart gets wrong, everything else is going to flow in the wrong direction. So righteousness helps keep our heart protected. Uh, I thought about it like this. There are so many people that I know of that missed out on God's plans and God's purposes, not because they weren't smart, not because they didn't have talent and they didn't have the resources. They had all those things, but they missed out on what God had for them because they let their hearts get soured. And what happened to them? Where did they go? They were once doing this thing. What happened to them? Something got into their life, something happened, and they let their heart get soured. They got off the path of righteousness and the way that God called them to, and it took them out. Righteousness, right living, living the way that God called us to, protects us. Uh, I believe that righteousness is one of the most misunderstood words in Christianity, uh, especially in our culture. Righteousness is, in culture, kind of an ugly word. Oh, you're, so you're self-righteous. Oh, righteousness, you think you're better than me. Right? That's what many of us say. Oh, it's right. Oh, look at you. You're righteous. You think you're better than me. Oh, look at this goody two-shoe. Look at you. You're righteous. Oh, you're, you're so righteous. Or at times, as a youth pastor, people would say to me, oh, righteousness and holiness, that means God doesn't ever want us to have any fun. Oh, righteousness, that sounds terrible. You don't ever get to do anything. And I would always push back on them and say, look, the Bible has more promises and advancements for your life than it does any kind of restrictions. When God gives you like a restriction in scripture, when he says like, hey, don't do that, it's for your own good. He says, hey, don't do that because this is so much better. So righteousness, righteousness is God being like, hey, do righteousness because it's so much better. Why? Because I can protect everything that's important in your life. 
when we pursue righteousness, it's protecting. Uh, I'll meet with people all the time. Pastor, oh, pastor, like, you got to help me in this relationship. It's just going terrible, and I keep getting my heart broke, and he's hurting my feelings. He's doing this, and I'm saying, all right, well, in your relationship, are you guys walking in righteousness? Well, no, we're, you know, he comes from a different, and so we're kind of making this compromise. We're kind of, hey, put yourself back on God's path and watch how your relationship turns out and see if you see the fruit of God's righteousness and let him protect you and take care of you. Pastor, it's still going bad. Well, did you put it back? No. Pastor, we're broke. We just don't have money. We can't ever make ends meet. We well, are you aiming your finances in a way that is how God called us to do it righteously? Well, no, I got this thing. All right, we'll put it back on God's path. Am I telling the truth today? Because why? Because God says, hey, when you walk in righteousness, when you pursue the way that I've called you to live, I can protect you. I can guard you. Can I get an amen today? Righteousness is a standard that God has called us to. And it goes back to what we talked about last week. We said there is such thing as absolute truth. There is certainly a way that God has called us to live. It's his standard. We could say it today. God has a standard of righteousness, which is true. Uh, One of the things about the breastplate of righteousness that's really cool is that they say that the breastplate of righteousness sits on the belt of truth. Doug and I, our tech guy, were talking about this between service. It sits, it literally rests on the belt of truth. Why? Because the two things go together. Truth and righteousness are together. The reason it sits on the belt of truth is because it takes all that weight off the soldier's shoulders. Some of you, your shoulders are too torn up right now because you're, you're walking around without the truth and you're trying to live righteousness and you don't have truth. Are you with me? So they work together. Truth and righteousness, they go together. I wrote it down like this. We cannot walk in all that God has for us without walking in righteousness. God has a standard of right living and it's the way that he's called us to live. If you think about scripture, how many times in scripture do we read God say, on the account of their righteousness or on the account of their faithfulness, on the account of their what? Pursuit of honoring and following God the way that he's called us to, God then promoted or advanced. How many times in scripture did God take care of a family because God looked at them and said, I see the righteousness pursuit in their life. How many times did God spare somebody or advance somebody or promote somebody because he looked at them and said, I see the faithfulness, I see righteousness in your life. We know the scripture says, if you're faithful in the little, I can make you ruler in more. What is God looking at in our faithfulness? He's looking at us being people who live in a way that we put God first and his way first. Is this good? Righteousness protects and promotes you. We see all throughout scripture, because righteousness was found. Now, it's not perfection. We're going to actually talk about that in a minute. It's not perfection. I don't always say, oh my gosh, the only way God protects me and uses me is if I get it right, if I'm perfect all the time. No, no. It's the pursuit of righteousness. It's a heart thing. If you do the right thing, you are protected. I'll speak to the young people in here, teenagers and anybody younger. Listen, you want to live the most stress-free teenage life? Pursue righteousness. You don't got to worry about hiding things and getting found out about things and stuff blowing up in your face. If you're pursuing righteousness, God protects you. It's when you start allowing unrighteousness and you start making compromises that all of a sudden, oh, you got to keep up with this lie and you got to keep up with that thing. Business person, if you're not making dishonest gains and you're not doing all these other things, if you're walking in righteousness, you got nothing to worry about in your business. Why? Because God says he'll protect you and promote you and advance you. Can I get an amen today? Righteousness is just the better way to live. Proverbs 13, 6 says, righteousness guards the person of integrity. 
but wickedness overthrows the sinner. When you're walking in righteousness, you got nothing to worry about because you're guarded. You're guarded by God. That's what that breastplate of righteousness is. You're guarded. But how many have ever been the sinner? Don't raise your hand. And you've been overthrown with all of the stuff that comes with a sinning lifestyle. But the wicked one is overthrown. Like it, it, we're overthrown when we walk in and we live in unrighteousness. I'm just buried in all of my bad decisions. Why? Because unrighteousness became your lifestyle, and God can't protect you in that. Am I making sense today? Righteousness guards your life. Unrighteousness, write it down this way. Righteousness guards your life. Unrighteousness, walking in unrighteousness, walking not the way God's called you to, invites the enemy. Unrighteousness dwelling in your life does invite the attack of the enemy. Uh, there was a cookie in our driveway that got smashed into our driveway this week. And, uh, and it got a whole bunch of ants around it, which is actually pretty funny that, or unusual that there was a cookie on our driveway because our kids eat everything off the floor. <laughs> but there's this cookie, and it's got a whole bunch of ants on it. And, uh, and so Callie, my three-year-old, she comes out, and she's, like, trying to smash all the ants for me. She's like, Dad, I'll get them all. And she's stomping her little heart out and all this stuff. She's trying to handle all the ants. And, uh, she got, and I was like, well, honey, thank you for doing that. But the way that we get rid of the ants is if we get rid of the cookie. And the only way that you're going to get rid of the enemy's mess in your life is if you get rid of the unrighteousness in your life. So many of you are keeping and protecting and making excuses for the unrighteousness in your life. And you're, and you're just working so hard to smash all the ants. Oh, I got all these things. I got all these things. And God's like, deal with the unrighteousness. And the ants won't be the problem. Uh, I, I got a couple, a couple points for you here in a minute, but we got to remove the issue, or we got to remove the issue that is inviting the enemy. Here's what you need to know. The enemy's invasion, or the enemy doesn't need an invitation. You know, I didn't ask those ants to come be a part of the cookie, right? They saw what they needed to see in order to get in and do what they wanted to do. It's the same thing with our enemy. Ah, look it. They're not pursuing righteousness. Therefore, they don't have their protection. Therefore, I'm going to come in and I'm going to mess with them. So I got three points for us to kind of figure out how we can walk in righteousness. Point number one is this. Righteousness can be faked. Righteousness can be faked. Uh, we can fake it to each other. We come in here and we say, bless you, brother. How are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed, highly favored. How are you doing? Bless you, bless you. And we're so fake to each other. Maybe we're not pursuing right. We can fake it to each other really good. But the reality that you need to know is that God knows when you're faking your pursuit with him. And even worse, the enemy knows when you're faking righteousness. Oh, they're pretending to be righteous, but I know that they're an open door. Oh, we can trick each other all the time. Oh, we're so righteous. We're so good. We're so, oh, that song hit me so good. But God knows it and the enemy knows it. And so it's really kind of a huge disservice for you to fake it. We got to figure it out. Uh, we live in a bi-level home, and so that means we got like eight steps that go up. If you open our front door, we got like eight steps that go up, like eight steps that go down. And uh, if someone were to come over to our house just for like a minute to drop something off or to pick something up, uh, you would open the door and you could see down those eight steps to like our couch and like a lamp. And then the rest of our living room down there goes this way, but it's like behind the wall. And so you look down, you see the couch, you see things. And so if somebody's coming over, but they're not coming in, and the basement is hit. The kids have been playing down there. Everything's a mess. But someone's coming over. I'm like, oh, man, someone's coming over. And they can look down. We take all this stuff and we just move it over a little bit. 
We don't clean up. We just make sure no one sees our unrighteousness. We just move that stuff over. I don't know if you have kids. This is what our kids do. Uh, hey, kids, go clean your room. Make sure you go clean your room. And everybody goes down there, and they're doing a bunch of stuff. And then you come down, and you're like, whoa, they actually clean their room. And you're like, I can't believe they clean their room. This is awesome. And then like a couple days later, though, you actually open the closet, and everything falls out from behind the other things. And you're like, wait, this is from when you were supposed to clean your room. And then you look under the bed, and now it's Tasmanian devil. You're just throwing things everywhere. The sad part is we do the same thing with God. They didn't clean anything at all. They didn't clean up anything at all. They just hid it all. God doesn't want you to clean so that it looks good. God, God wants you to clean so that it is good in your life. I put it down like this. Jesus didn't come so that you can look right. Jesus didn't come to just help you manage your sin. He came to help you have victory over sin. This whole like, no, we're going to fake it. We're just going to hide it. That's not the fullness of what God has called you into. God has called you into a lifestyle of pursuing him in righteousness so that you can walk in the fullness that he has for you so that he can protect you and promote you and advance you and all that he has for you. Can I get amen today? And so we can't hide it. We got to be real with it. Point number two is this. Righteousness is first embraced, not earned. I'm going to get a little bit uh, teachy here. I might be a little bit more of like a preacher normally, but I'm going to get a little bit teachy here. So let's get ready for class. Some of you are sweating. Don't worry. There's not going to be a test. But I want to break a few things down for you. The, the first kind of thing that I see when people have a hard time understanding righteousness is they think, oh my gosh, I have to earn this. I'm going to have to do so many things to earn righteousness. Like if you just do enough things, then finally a bell's going to go off. Ding. Oh, yep. Now you're a righteous person. <laughs> You've arrived. And that's not how righteousness works. And I'm so grateful for the way and the theology uh, that we have when it comes to how we understand righteousness. I want you to know this. Righteousness is a gift from God. You've been given the gift of righteousness. We're going to see it here in a minute. So I'm going to give you a couple of theology words that we first need to understand. Righteousness is in two different words. We receive righteousness kind of in two ways in our life. One is this word called imputed righteousness. And the second one is called imparted righteousness. So write those down. The first one is imputed righteousness. The second one is imparted righteousness. Imputed righteousness is given to us at salvation. So Jesus came, died on the cross, so that you and I might have forgiveness of our sins and we might have salvation. This, this is the work that he did on the cross. It's also what we would call, we now have justification, which means this, God then views you just as if you have never sinned. It's imputed righteousness. Because of what Christ did, God now looks at you and sees you as if you've never sinned. We have justification through the cross. Let me read it to you, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The first way that you walk in righteousness and have righteousness is not by your performance, not by doing good enough. It's the fact that Jesus died on the cross for you so that you could be somebody who heaven looks at and says, I see no sin. That's how you've become righteous through salvation. We'll continue to talk about right, or salvation in a minute. But so the first thing is you're righteous. How? You're righteous through salvation. Through the justification of God doesn't see you as a sinner anymore. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says this. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 
Scripture is teaching us that he came and died on the cross for us so that we no longer are trapped in the sinful lifestyle, which means we're open to the enemy, which means we got, he said, I've, I've died so that you might not be stuck in these sins, but now you can walk in righteousness. And as I just explained, walking in righteousness means protection and promotion and God's hand on our life. Are you with me today? I'm going to kind of make some of you feel better at this point. I don't know if you know this, uh, but every single person in this room uh, is sort of a multiple personality person. You're you're, you're like, I always felt like that. I was a multiple. You're a three-part being. There's three parts to you, and we're going to kind of break them down so that you can understand how righteousness works in the way that God created us. The first thing we need to understand is you have a body. You're made up of three parts. You have a body. That's pretty easy to understand. Uh, This is the body that you have, flesh, bone, and this is your body. Your body also uh, deals with temptation and struggle. Your body also has needs, right? Your physical body tells you, hey, it'd probably be good if I got some food at this point. You know, it'd probably be good if I got some rest. But your, your, your body also has temptations and things that in its flesh it desires. And so you have a, a body. And the scripture teaches us part of our salvation and part of living out salvation and part of being uh, people who walk in righteousness, the scripture teaches us that we need to be born again. Meaning, you pray the prayer of salvation. God is making you new. You're transforming this earthly body to line up with righteousness. Am I making sense? All right, let me teach you this. You, you could maybe get bored in the next five minutes, but I hope you unlock in this. So you have this body that the scripture is saying needs to be born again. Why does it need to be born again? Because it needs to line up with God's standard of living, which is righteousness. So our temptations, our struggles, our things need to line up with what God has called us to now. Don't feel bad when you still struggle. Don't feel bad when you still sin. The reality is we're always going to struggle and we're always going to come up short for as long as we live on this earth. So the scripture says, how many among us are righteous? The scripture actually says none of us are perfect and righteous. Uh, We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. We're always going to be walking in this transformation of our body because we live in a fallen world. Everybody say amen. The second part that you are is you have a soul. So you have a body and then you have a soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Your mind, will, and emotions. So you have your body that that needs things and, and interacts with you in a way, but now you have your mind, will, and emotions that also do things. That's why the scripture says with your soul, with your mind, it's important that you transform or renew your mind. You have to reprogram the way that you think once you've found salvation. Why do we need to reprogram? Because we're trying to reprogram ourselves to line up with the way God's called us to in righteousness. In righteousness. So, hey, make, the scripture's telling you, make sure you renew your mind. Make sure you reprogram. The, the concern that I have is we have stopped talking about righteousness and, and renewing our mind. We've stopped talking about it and like, hey, this is the thing we got to be doing. And we've just started to do this in Christianity. Oh, man, church is just, you just got to think a happy thought. God loves you. Grace, grace. Just, just think a happy thought. That, that, that's how you're going to get there. Just, just make your soul feel better. Just read an inspirational Joyce Meyer book and you'll feel better. You know? And we even do it with worship songs. When God has called us to dive into his word so that we can transform our minds, so that we can reprogram the way that we think according to his word, what we've done is we've just found things in church that make us just feel better instead of reprogramming us. 
I'm all for worship. I'm all for worship music. It's always going to be at the very front of what we do as a church is, is pursue God in worship. But I'm concerned that many times when God wants to reprogram and transform and renew our mind, instead of us diving into his truths and belting on that truth, instead we just put on a worship song that makes us feel better. And there's nothing wrong with putting on worship songs and finding breakthrough. But if all we do is just find the moments in God that make us feel better, to be honest with you, most of the time, uh, the, the, the tendency, if we track attendance, most of the time in church, people come to church when it's a series that just makes them feel better. God wants to bless you and give you a Lamborghini, and he wants to give you the perfect marriage, and da 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 And it's like, oh, I love this. This is a good series. And then I get in my other series, and they're like, oh, you know, we should go on vacation. <laughs> Because if we're not careful when it comes to like our, our mind and the renewing and the program, we're only going to go to the things that we have an appetite for. And God is like saying, no, there is this path of righteousness. And if you commit to it, it protects you. Can I get an amen? And so it's important for us to get to that. And then your spirit, your spirit. So you have your body. You have your soul and then your spirit being, which we know is spends eternity with God. We know that when you've prayed that prayer of salvation, we know that you're going to spend eternity with him. And so your spirit uh, is your spirit being. So here's kind of this weird thing that we live in when it comes to righteousness. We know that there's work that has to be done in our body, our soul. We know that our spirit is also this active thing. And so we got body, soul, and spirit all going on. But the scripture told us that we were made righteous in Christ but then it also talks about how we still need to pursue righteousness. And so I'm going to give you the answer. Are you righteous? Yes. Do you need to become righteous? Yes. It's both. If you prayed the prayer of salvation and you made Jesus Lord of your life, are you saved? Yes. But do you need to be saved? Yeah, you still need to keep being saved. Scripture says we work out our salvation. Why? Because it's that pursuit of righteousness. God, your way of living, right standing, making the right choices that you've called us to and putting on righteousness. Uh, I thought about it like this. You say, well, why does it matter so much? Like, what, like why does God care uh, about righteousness and unrighteousness? And the, I wrote it down like this. God doesn't reveal our sin to us to shame us, but he reveals our sin to us and our shortcomings to us to free us. That's why God's like, ah, oh, get rid of all the unrighteousness. You got to live your lifestyle in a way that you're, that you're following me and you're pursuing me in this way of living. Why? Because it frees you. That's why Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Why? It's the better way to live. Righteousness is like, here's the book of rules and here's how you got to keep up and here's how you got to perform. No, righteousness and following God is like, here's how you walk in freedom. Here's how you walk in all that God has for you. Amen. And then the scripture talks about, so I told you imputed righteousness. The second one is called this imparted righteousness, which is what we do right now. It's sanctification. We're 